Welcome to Living Water Radio. The attack on Israel by Hamas has sent many to their Bibles asking if Armageddon is upon us. Today, we're going to take a look at why and what the future may hold. My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister actively focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, I'm filling in temporarily for pastors in the Los Angeles area, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between the two of us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. I stood on the mound that is the little city of Megiddo in Israel when I was in college. The mound is built on the ruins of other little cities lost over the centuries. I looked out over the land called the Plain of Armageddon, from Greek Har-Mageddon to Latin Armageddon, from Hebrew Har-Megiddo. Megiddo stands guard at the site of the final battle, where the forces allied with Satan come to wage war with the forces allied with God, in a war that ends with the victory of God and the second coming of Jesus Christ in the final judgment. We see it in the Bible's final book, Revelation chapter 16, verses 12 through 16. The sixth angel poured his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up in order to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw three foul spirits like frogs coming from the mouth of the dragon, from the mouth of the beast, and from the mouth of the false prophet. These are demonic spirits, performing signs, who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Parentheses, quote, See, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and is clothed, not going about naked and exposed to shame. Quote, parentheses. And they assemble them at the place that in Hebrew is called Harmageddon. Note the quote in verse 15 is based on the words of Jesus. There will be a battle, but there is no question of who will win that battle, ever. That Satan is able to gather an army of the unrepentant shows us that the devil is a liar. His future is known, and it's not good, and he knows it. But the battle will come, Armageddon. There are signs that the Bible says will come before this final showdown, and the entire book of Revelation may describe it, but its intense descriptions of the end of history as we know it are highly symbolic, coded, and abstract. Some say that they are descriptions of Christians living under persecution in the centuries of the early Christian movement. Some say that they are a specific kind of literature that describes the life of God's people under persecution at any time in history and their future. Some say that they are a genre of literature and that this genre has certain rules of form, like a novel or an essay or a sonnet and other genres. It is called apocalyptic literature, and it's found in the book of Daniel, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the teachings of Jesus and of Paul, and is represented in pretty much the entire book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. 
Jesus says in Matthew 24, verses 3 through 8, When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when this will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Jesus answered them, Beware that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Israel was attacked by Hamas, the terrorist organization governing the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip last Saturday in a surprise attack at dawn on one of the holiest days of the year, on Shimka Torah, the joy of the Torah, on the Jewish Sabbath. Festering anger boiled over, they say. But Hamas is a militant organization whose long-stated goal, written in its constitution, is to drive every Israeli man, woman, and child into the sea. Arab states could easily have made the quality of life for the Palestinian people better years ago and many times over. Instead, they have armed them to destroy Israel over a shared goal. They have kept the residents of the Gaza Strip suffering for the public relations value. Leaders of Hamas and their terrorist sibling organization Hezbollah have thanked Iran for supplying and training them. It has been thought that the purpose of this raid was to end the current talks toward normalization between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Civilians were killed indiscriminately in their homes and out of their homes. The largest block of murders, over 260, took place against mostly young people gathered for a music festival dedicated to peace. Civilians were tortured. They were tortured with celebrations. They were killed. Bodies of the captured were dragged and beaten in the streets with celebrations. Elderly women with dementia, whole families, including children and infants, as well as soldiers, were reportedly taken captive. This is the 20th century. As one formerly left-of-center commentator who lives in Israel put it, Israel has killed civilians, the Palestinians have killed civilians, but when it has happened that Israeli soldiers have killed civilians, they are charged with a crime and punished. Israel does not kill civilians on purpose and then celebrate it. They do not hold demonstrations in New York chanting, 700, 700, the number of Israelis killed at that time. This is not the frustrations of the oppressed. I would call it barbarism, but that would be unkind to barbarians. It is the Palestinians who should be rooting out those responsible for these crimes against humanity. There have been large organizations, and there was a growing movement calling for Palestinian rights among the people of Israel. This invasion has put the movement for Palestinian rights back 20 years. The world wants to know how this could have happened with the sophisticated intelligence apparatus built by Israel and supported by other nations, including the United States. But the coming of Jesus in the Last Judgment will also catch almost everyone off guard. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 43 to 44, But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. 
Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This incursion will likely result in a long war. Many have said it will likely last months, after which there will have been trillions spent, thousands killed, and no clear outcome for the long-term improvement of national relationships within the Middle East. Will other Palestinians join in the war? Will Hezbollah? Will other Arab states join? Iran is already in up to its elbows. What about Saudi Arabia, a longtime competitor with Iran? Will the allies of the Arab states join? Will Russia, China, will allies of Israel join? The United States? The United States is sending naval and air support, a strike force, to warn other nations about jumping in. What about NATO? The UN? Will it be Armageddon? People have been assigning world events of their day to the signs of the end for almost 2,000 years. Every one of them has been wrong. But someday, one of them will be right. Some say it has already happened. It happened when the Roman Empire put Jerusalem under siege, starved and killed its occupants, and then leveled it in 70 AD. But most point to a future event, as we confess in our creeds, when Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead. Will a gathering of nations be the beginning of the end, the final battle? Or will it be just another in a long series of violence between sinful humans and sinful nations, since the creation of human beings and of nations? Maybe, and maybe not. Cultures, even civilization itself, can be destroyed in many ways other than by armies. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 19 through 14, then they will hand you over to be tortured, and will put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Then many will fall away, Jesus said, and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Are we not seeing all of that today in the Western world? Are they not signs that are at least as concerning for the possible nearness of the end of history and the new heaven and the new earth as the possible gathering of the nations for a war in Israel? Do we have the integrity to not fall away and the interest to call those who have to return? Do we have the tools to know a prophet from a false prophet? Can we stand within and outside of our culture to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and the life in his name? Jesus asked in Luke 18, verses 6 through 8, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, you will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he? 
Will the church reach out? Will we live the life that God has called, equipped, and sent us to live? How will we know the difference between a prophet, someone who speaks from God to God's people, and a false prophet? Are we living from the relationship with God that is given to all who turn away from their old lives and toward life in God? Or are we, like our culture, amusing ourselves to death? In Neil Postman's 1985 book of the same name, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business, he wrote, comparing the work of George Orwell, 1984, and Aldous Huxley, Brave New World. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book because there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared that the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied with some equivalent of the feelies, the orgy-porgy, and the centrifugal bumble-puppy. As Huxley remarked in Brave New World Revisited, the civil libertarians and rationalists who are ever on the alert to oppose tyranny fail to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions. In 1984, Orwell added, people are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared that what we fear will ruin us. Huxley feared that what we desire will ruin us. This book is about the possibility that Huxley, not Orwell, was right. I saw something on the news the other day about a report given by LinkedIn CEO Ryan Roslansky. He said that artificial intelligence would make program-oriented college degrees useless. What will be needed in the future will be people with people skills. I don't think that this comes as a surprise to many. When our son was looking at colleges, I looked at the literature and the websites of the schools he was applying to. I've looked at the sites of schools to which students I knew were applying to and for which they had asked me to write recommendation letters as well. I don't recall any of those colleges and universities recruiting prospective students with the promise of a good education. Every one of them touted the possibility of them getting a good job. In fact, some schools, in my opinion, have long ago given up on providing an education in favor of indoctrination. A liberal arts education used to mean that students would be exposed to a wide variety of ideas, including ones that made them uncomfortable, to encourage critical thinking and lifelong learning. Now, many campuses have zero tolerance for any but one way of thinking. Many of us have no patience for learning, only the confirmation of our own bias. Jesus taught his disciples for three years before he gave his life and then took it back again. The early Christian church required three years of instruction before a person fully became a Christian and received Holy Communion. Sometimes they would also then and only then be baptized. Confirmation classes for teenagers are common today among those who practice infant baptism to give people an opportunity to confirm the faith that was the responsibility of their parents and baptismal sponsors. 
to say yes to what God had already given them. It also lasted years. Now many churches offer a few classes and or service projects, and that's it. Are we ready for what we know is coming sooner or later? Are we prepared for Armageddon? We are. We are prepared by the faith that is God's gift. We are prepared by the new creation we are in Jesus Christ. And we are prepared by the Holy Spirit who calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes us holy. The best way to be prepared for the end is to live in the eternity that has already begun for us in our baptism as a gift from God, as the new creation God has made us to be. Jesus said that when we are called to testify to our faith before the rulers and authorities and even before our religious leaders in Luke 22, verse 11b to 12, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. It's been said that the words fear not or be not afraid or words to that effect appear 365 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year. We don't want anyone to suffer, and we pray for everyone now and in the future. But we do not fear the end times. We long for the day when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. The first Christian prayer is found at the end of Revelation, at the end of the Bible in Revelation 22.20. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. 
Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.